This is a message from the Word of God from the Tabernacle, the New Birth Gospel Tabernacle in St. Kitts and Nevis. Be blessed by the message as we were on that day. <laughs> this morning, I'd like to share with you from a very well-known passage of Scripture, Psalm chapter 3 and verse 3. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You are my glory and the lifter up of mine head. And I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Somebody say, the shield. Now this was one of the Psalms written by King David and I believe it would help us if we went back and considered where this came from. What was this about? David had a strong, handsome, charismatic son called Absalom. And Absalom became very angry and bitter with his father and he launched a secret campaign against his own father to steal his father's popularity, to steal the loyalty and allegiance of the people. And a messenger came and spoke to David and he told him, and this is back in uh, the book of Second Samuel, I believe, the hearts of the Israelites are turned toward Absalom, Second Samuel 15. You don't have to turn there, but you can just follow with me. The hearts of the people are turned toward Absalom. In verse 14 of that chapter, we see that Absalom has risen up against the king, his father David, and has launched a strong and vicious attack against him and against those who were loyal to him. Stay with me in the spirit. This was such a serious attack that David immediately packed up and went on the run. David spoke to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem. He said, come on, we must flee. We must leave immediately or none of us will escape from Absalom. Or he will move quickly to catch up with us. He will destroy us. His men will kill everyone in the city with their swords. Now what was going on with Absalom? Absalom was deeply upset with his father. Primarily because of something that had unfolded with his half-sister Tamar. Where she was violated by another brother. And David did nothing. And we see here though the danger of not dealing with anger in the earlies while it is still a seed. And if you don't, you risk it festering and springing up into a poisonous tree that will not only affect others but risk destroying you yourself. I myself. And we have to be so vigilant with our emotions and be quick to respond to the Holy Spirit when he tells us to drop that bitterness 
Drop it like a hot coal. Let go of the negativity. And let him deal with whatever is bothering us. Whatever is troubling us. Whatever is rubbing us the wrong way. You know there are some people that just, I don't know. They have a knack for getting on your last nerve. <laughs> oh Lord of his mercy. What a thing. <laughs> you know. In, in, in Mark eleven twenty five, the Bible says clearly, when you stand praying and you have art, you have anything, anything against anyone. Let me say that again. Anything against anyone. And that means people who do not support your political views, the politician who wronged you and your family, the woman who stole your husband, the boss who hates you, the person who stole your innocence, your father, the mother who rejected you. The Bible says anything against anyone. Hmm. Drop it, leave it, and let it go. In order that your father in heaven may also forgive you your own sins, your own failings and shortcomings. And remember, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is nothing hidden from the Lord. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. I was at the hairdresser yesterday and... They were talking and I was, I was, I was stunned. <laughs> it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how sensible people take leave of their senses during these times. I'm really not, I'm not here really to talk about <laughs> people say such terrible things about other people. But I want to present to you this morning an amazing candidate. <laughs> Hallelujah. He has championed the cause of humanity from the foundations of the world. He is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. He will feed you when you're hungry, comfort you when you're lonely, lift you up when you are down. He will promote you. He will promote your cause, employ you when you are jobless. He has his own employment agency. And they're always looking to hire men, women, boys, and girls. He runs under a banner of love. His cause is just. His color is blood. And guess what? This is his manifesto. Glory to God. He will be with you on every platform of life. As you trust him. And he was so serious about the election promises that he made that he gave up his life to fulfill them. You see, his campaign is salvation. And he is eternally, everlastingly good. Vote Jesus. Vote Jesus. Vote Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
this candidate for every constituency. Glory to God. The victory is assured when you cast your vote for Jesus. You don't have to hide in the ballot box. You can cast your vote publicly. Make sure that the poster you stand most behind is a poster for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, glory. Glory to God. Jesus. Back to David. So David was on the run. Again. Let's, let's think about the text. You know, as I was pondering on this passage, I was thinking to myself that David had such a tone of, 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 of discouragement in these first couple of verses. And it's important when you are reading, don't just stick to the King James. Explore other translations so they can round out your understanding of the picture that is being painted. One translation says, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many people have turned against me. They say to themselves, God will not rescue him. And you see, David would not have been human if he did not reflect that 20, maybe 30 years in the past, he was on the run before. He was on the run that time from King Saul. And we remember that Saul had lost his mind, basically. He had become crazy jealous over what David had done in, in that mighty exploit of killing the giant Goliath. And Saul set out to smear David's reputation and to destroy him. And so he spent years running and hiding then from Saul as a young man. And yet, here he is. He must be middle-aged at this point and <laughs> running and hiding and ducking when you're 20 is <laughs> a different thing from running and hiding and ducking when you're 50, you're 60. It's not so much fun anymore. You know, and it must have gone through his mind, but I am the king. I am the king. This is my kingdom. <laughs> this is my territory, my stomping ground. And here I am on the run. And we can hear from the words that there's a level of weariness and discouragement. And to make it worse, the first time around, David was completely innocent. Saul just hated his guts just for so. You know, you have some people who just don't like you. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. But this second time around... This mess with Absalom was largely David's fault. Because he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he committed murder to cover it up. And the Lord said to him, because you have done this thing in my sight, the sword will never depart from your house consequences of sin help us lord you know 
is one thing when you haven't done anything and you're suffering, you're being persecuted. And a whole nother level when you know I am the one to blame. You know, as, 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 as Lucinda liked to say, we're guilty. That's it. We did it. We did the bedroomatics when we didn't have a license. We started the fight and then lied about it. We cursed out the person on Facebook. We cheated on the exam. And so therefore we know we are to blame for the consequences. And, and so when the police come for us, they're outside the door or, or our spouse has left us or worse, someone recorded you at your worst moment and put it on Instagram. <laughs> Jesus. The truth of the matter is none of us wants our worst moment to be out there for everybody to see. Jesus. And the thing about it is that the enemy specializes in this kind of situation. Because what does he do? 99% of the time, he is the one who sets up the scenario. <laughs> he prepares the trap. He baits it. And then he entices us to fail and to fall in the first place. Then once we have taken the bait... Like the hungry, roaring lion he pretends to be, he moves in for the kill. And after we have failed, I'm talking to myself this morning as well, after we have sinned, after we have messed up, the first thing that the enemy does is to move in with the demolition crew. The name of the crew is Guilt and Condemnation Limited. And they begin to nag and whisper and pull at you. What really wrong with you, eh? I thought you said you were a Christian. You didn't know better than that. You look so stupid. God ain't want you. If I were you, I would never open that Bible again and forget about going to church. Everybody laughing at you. You're really an addict. You know that? Jesus. You are an embarrassment. You are a total loser. He says, nobody wants you. Nobody wants to be around you. As a matter of fact, why don't just take your life? This is the voice of the accuser. And if you let him every day, all day, seven days a week... He will hold a public meeting to tell you every single thing that is wrong with you. And the more you listen, the more you will begin to give in to those negative voices and shrink back into yourself. And you start to believe, well, maybe, maybe it doesn't make any sense anymore. Maybe since I've fallen down, let me just stay down. Let me just move away from the people of God. Let me not call anybody for prayer. Let me just shut up and step back and give up. 
So as we think about David in this situation, let's think about what he must have been feeling. And then for a moment, let's just stop and think about how it feels to be up under attack. And let's be real. How do you feel when you're under serious attack? And when I say serious attack, I don't mean KFC run out of chicken. <laughs> your gas finish <laughs> close your eyes for a minute just 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 bear with me close your eyes for a minute everybody and think about the worst moment of your life it may have been physical Emotional, spiritual. And how did you feel? Defenseless, cornered, powerless, afraid, betrayed, nervous, alone. And in that moment, or in that season of attack, what did you do? How did you react? Did you run like David? Did you hide? Did you duck? Did you squeeze into a corner and, and, and cover your eyes and hope that nobody would see you, nobody would remember you? Or maybe you did a rambo and you, you, you lashed out and you, you tried to fight back. There's a friend of mine who likes to say, I might not win and I might get the worst. <laughs> she ain't going down without a fight. But I want to suggest to you that what we reach for when we are in a crisis, what we do when we are under attack is a reflection of where we put our trust. And we see that David's first response was his normal human reaction he talks about the attack he talks about how many were against him he talks about how they're troubling him and this is one of the things that i love about this man so real david was so real he knew that he was partly to blame but that didn't stop him from going to god and when we are Christ in a crisis, whether self-made or whether something has happened to us, step one, tell God the problem. Talk to him about what's going on. He already knows it. It doesn't make any sense hiding it. You see, our tendency is we reach for all sorts of things. The bottle, the TV the food, social media. And think about your best friend, the person that you are most likely to confide in. When something is going on with you, you may go and see the person or you'll message them and what's the first thing you say? Thing you say, boy, you ain't know what happened to me. Girl, you ain't know I get myself into one. One mess. And I don't know how to get out of it. I know the people I call. But I want to suggest to you, before 
you call them up. Dial 1-800-869-H-E-L-P. Over and over and over again, the word tells us, call on the Lord. Call on the Lord. And the best thing about it is that the call is free. God has a telecommunication plan. Unlimited calls, texts, data, and all your unused minutes will roll over at the end of the month. This is the best deal. <laughs> so call on him. Take advantage of that plan. David tells God his problem. And as I said, we hear the loneliness, the frustration, and the despair in his words. When he says, so many are saying, there is no help for him in God. God will never rescue him. I wonder for a moment if this isn't what David himself was thinking as well. Why should God help me? I let him down. I am reaping the consequences of my sins. Why should he bother with me? I've said that to myself. Those times where you think, well, this got to be it now. I have out sinned the grace of God. I have blown him off for the last time and at any moment I'm going to find my bags packed and the Lord would say to me, Karen, that's it. I've had enough of you and your nonsense. The blood of Jesus. Get out and don't come Hallelujah. You know, many of us have had that friend, that boyfriend or girlfriend, that loved one who has said to us, and worse, get out. I'm sick of you. I don't want you around me anymore. But thank God, he is not like man. Oh my God. God the Father will never, ever, ever throw you out. He says in the book of Hebrews, I will never drop you. I will never under any circumstances leave you or forsake you. So when you hear that voice that says to you, that lizard in your head that says to you, give up on God. God is finished with you. The devil is a liar. So one, you tell God the problem. Two, remind yourself of who God is. When I was little, there was a, a, another cartoon uh, on TV that I liked. Um, I don't know if anybody knows this. <laughs> my, my siblings would know. But this one was called Birdman. And Birdman was very strong. But like all of the superheroes, he had 
a weakness. He needed the sun for his strength. And away from the sun, he would become weak and not be able to function. And all the bad men would come in and beat him up and knock him about. But if he could only catch that light upon his body, if he could only be exposed to a ray of sunshine, everything would change. And when the sun hit the birdman's body, he would throw his hands up in the air and he would shout, Bird man! <laughs> and I invite you, when you get weak, hey, Jesus, when you are struggling with life's burdens that are coming up against you, throw your hands up in the air and say, Jesus! 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 In him is life. He is the mover and the shaker. You see, when you get into crisis, what you do separates the sheep from the goats. It is very true that David got himself into some major messes. But, everybody say but. The thing that set this man apart was that whatever happened to him, whatever he did or had been done to him, if he could only get to press that worship button, hey, hey, it was all over. If he could only get into the posture of praise, my God. If he could only get to big up God, then he would shift his atmosphere. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, there's none like you, my God. You are my king. You are awesome. You are wondrous. You are powerful. You've never lost a battle. Who is God like unto you? I bless your name. I praise you. I adore you. I worship you. I worship you, my God. And this is the beauty of relationship. Because after he had fellowship for a while with his problem, he reached for the worship button and began to fellowship with his God. He reminded himself of who God was. And in verse 3, he comes to himself like the prodigal son and he says, But thou, O Lord, you are a shield for me. You are a shield for me. And this shield represented protection. This was the refuge and presence of the Most High God. You know, as we go through Psalm 91, all of the promises there are part of the shield. We come under the wingspan of God. His feathers are our protection. In verse 4 of Psalm 91, the Christian Standard Bible says that his faithfulness will be a protective shield. Because you see, as we trust him, the Lord himself will be our shield. This is one of the names that we don't hear often. It's Jehovah Machen, the Lord, my shield. And this shield is not just a short piece of armor that a soldier would wear upon the arm. But in fact, hey, 
it's a full-sized shield not only does it cover from top to bottom it goes all around glory to god and the word magen comes from a verb meaning to defend cover or surround and this means that the lord is actively defending us you see we saw that scene from captain america and the shield was not just a covering he was used using it as defense it was a weapon because when you get under that shield the lord is gonna fight for you you see one translation of psalm 91 4 says he will cover you like a bird spreading its wings over its babies you can trust him to surround and protect you like a shield this is a wonderful and reassuring promise but as minister edmund likes to say terms and conditions apply and that's that brings us to point number three choose to come under the shield the Lord is a gentleman. He will never force himself. He will never make you do anything in order to benefit from the shielding of God, to come behind the shield and under the shield, to experience this protection. We must first admit that we need help. We have to allow ourselves to become vulnerable. That is a word that we get scared of because if we are vulnerable, it means that we are open, exposed. Thank you, co-pastor. It means that we give people permission to hurt us. And so life many times has put us in our position like ramble where, where we tie the thing around our head and we put the knife in our teeth and we get the, the rifle and the, the automatic weapon and we say they'll never take me alive but that is not the kingdom he says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he has to remind us of this over and over and over again because we have grown so accustomed to reaching for our own shield and reaching for our own weapons we may try to talk ourselves out of the trouble we may reach for our own sword or gun or knife but the word reminds us what the arm of flesh will fail you sooner or later our man-made defenses will crumble and fall I will never forget that, that several years ago I was part of an assessment team to evaluate the performance of another country. And we had face-to-face -face meetings with the team representing that country in order to discuss the report. And this was an important process because everybody wants their country to do well. And if you didn't do well, it had negative consequences. And the team leader for that country was becoming increasingly difficult almost to the point of verbally 
abusing me. And I believe that I'm generally long-suffering. But I remember that we had been at it for a long time. And on this particular day, we had met from morning until night, just back and forth, back and forth. And they were questioning every single point. And there came a point where I just lost my cool. And I told the team leader off and I stormed off and I went to my hotel room. And I remember shortly after I got into the hotel room, after I calmed down, the Lord said to me, if you are going to fight for yourself, I'm not going to fight for you. The two of us cannot be fighting. He said, let me fight your battles. Enough said. Because how many know that when we seek to fight our own battles, it's usually because we have gotten caught up in our emotions. We lose focus and there we go, trying to control the outcome. We are desperately defending ourselves. But at that point, it's all about us. It's all about me. It's all about you. You know, we have to choose to accept the shielding of God. That means trusting him for safety and protection. Trusting him for covering. In Psalm 27, Psalm 28, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, in him, not in the government, not in bishop, with all due respect, bishop. In him, my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song, I give thanks to him. Guess what? Only the Lord can provide this protection, this defense. Because only he knows what is next. Only he knows, Minister Dora, what is around the next corner. He is the only one who is sovereign and in control. You are not, and I am not. I remember, I think I shared this with you all before, but some years ago I was traveling to New York, and it was winter. I was on the airport in Miami, and they were, I don't know, they were just up to their stuff that day, and they kept on shifting me from gate to gate to gate. So they will tell you, oh, your departure gate is gate 7. When you go to gate 7, no, 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 it's gate 15. When you go to gate 15, we're sorry, your departure gate has been shifted to gate 42. And I was trying to make my flight with very little time. So I finally got to gate 42. And when I got to the gate, there was nobody there except an agent behind the desk. So I went to her and I said, is this the flight, whatever, for New York? And she said, yes, but everybody's boarded. So I started running for the plane. I got on the plane and I had my, my carry-on luggage. And I put the, the, the luggage up. And you know how it is when you reach on the plane last. Everybody's staring at you. <laughs> like you're the one who was holding us back. When I put my luggage up, I turned around to put my handbag under the seat. No handbag. And... <laughs> 
So it, which meant no passport, no purse, no money. And I remember I had about maybe five or 600 US in it. I was like, Lord Jesus. So I look around frantically and then I ran off the plane. <laughs> I ran off the plane and all the while I'm praying, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Because early that morning I had gotten to the airport early, believe it or not. I had gotten to the airport so early I had time to sit down and relax. And I remember they were wrapping somebody's suitcase. There's a bubble wrap that they use. Maybe the, the suitcase is damaged or something. And they were wrapping the person's suitcase in this bubble wrap. And I remember I sat there and I said, Lord, I want you to wrap me. Hey, wrap me. Wrap me with your shield of protection today. Wrap me up. As they are wrapping up that suitcase. When I ran off the plane and I went back to gate 42. There was not a soul there. But right there on the seat was my handbag. Nothing was touched. The purse was intact. And I said, thank you, Jesus. He is a shield. And he, he goes before us. He makes every crooked path straight. My God. My God. And you see, some of us, I have a friend who tends to be paranoid. There's a fear that persons are out to get them. That they have to constantly be watching their back and, and, and be on their guard. But you know how tiring that is? After a while, you just, there's nobody who can protect themselves 24-7. And that's why, parents, you have to put those children in the hands of the Lord. You can't be with them all the time. You will never be in a position where you can be with them all the time unless you make them a prisoner in your house. And even then, you have to put them in the hands of the Lord. Because guess what? The shield is extendable. Hallelujah. You know, Psalm 91 says, no plague will come near your tent. No evil will come near your dwelling and they're part of your dwelling. I was looking at Bayless Conley, a, a pastor there in California recently, and he was giving his testimony and he was talking about growing up as a young man. And if it could be smoked, he smoked it. If he could have been drunk, he drank it. If it was any kind of mumbo jumbo, he was in it. He tried Hinduism, Buddhism, all the isms, and he still was not at peace. And one day he was in the park and a little Mexican boy walked past him. And he said, as the boy walked past him, he said, there was just something different about this child. He was 12 years old. Children, you're not too young to serve him. And he said, he went on his way. And then a little while later, he bumped into the little boy again. And the little boy turned and said to him, Mister, do you know Jesus? And that was the beginning of the turning point in his life. But I say that to say, Bayless Conley did not cry out to Jesus in that moment. But he had a mother who was praying for him. She was extending the shield of protection over him. 
He, when you listen to his testimony, he should have died many times over. He had overdosed over and over again. One time he plunged into a, an icy lake. There was nobody there to save him. He could not pull himself up. And he said, Lord, help me. And he found himself, he doesn't know how, out on the ice, safe, out of that icy water, the shield. I'm, I'm, I'm about to close. Once David turns his eyes to the Lord and he affirms who God is, he cries out to the Lord. Not silently, but out loud. He cries out for the Lord to help him. And the Lord answers him out of his holy hill. And he declares, wow, where before he was troubled, now he can lie down in peace and sleep safety and that is the position that the Lord wants us to be in where no matter what is going on we are able to raise the shield because the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. The shield of God is a barrier to guard the children of God from whatever may threaten to attack us. No matter what we do, no matter where we turn, the truth is that life keeps coming. We cannot withstand everything. We can't withstand the storms and trials. None of us are smart enough, cute enough, strong enough to be completely protected in and of ourselves. We need the shield because sooner or later, the strongest of us will fall and fail. It may be an unexpected sickness. The death of a loved one, loss of finances, troublesome boss. And in those times when we feel so low, the Lord steps in. He bends over us and he lifts our head. In his presence, we are not only lifted up, but it is there that we encounter his glory he is my glory and the lifter up of my head stand to your feet with me this morning hallelujah lift that minister fritz You are a shield for us, mighty God. And we come to you today. And we come. We come under that extended shield, my God. Maybe you are here today and you've never, you've never made it personal. I invite you today to cry out to him. He's waiting. He's waiting to extend that shield over you, over your life, over your circumstances.
Jesus is waiting to be your covering. Maybe you're out there and you're a believer, but life has battered you, has knocked you about, and you feel as if, if one more thing happens, that's it. I'm done. But God wants to be your shield today. Why don't you come under that shield? Come behind the shield and know that he is your defense. He is your protection. He is your Thank you for listening to the full version of a message preached at the New Birth Gospel Tabernacle Church. Feel free to follow the ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at New Birth SKB. God bless you and have a wonderful day.